Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we're speaking with Dave Rosner. How are you, Dave? Good morning, Bant. How are you? I am well. Now, Dave is a second time visitor on the show, so we're excited to go through things with him. But Dave is doing something different. Dave is now the chief marketing officer of Audigent. Audigent is the leading data activation, curation, and identity platform. And we'll tweeze through what that means, but Audigent is actually making lots of big moves right now. And I'm excited to hear what Dave has been up to in this new role. But Dave, why don't we start off with uh, where you were and where you are? Tell us about the change. First off, it's I'm glad to be back. And I'm also glad to be your first ever second time guest. Yeah, I know. I feel like we should get you like a special jacket or something. We're going to have to figure some gift that we send out to people as second time guests. I would love that. And I would accept <laughs> that. And now I expect that. Um, well, you know, I didn't get to ask you this the first time, Bam, because it was the very beginning of Uncaged. But let me start with asking you a question. Where did the name Uncaged come from? Ah, yeah. Well, so I was the CEO of Canary. I'm also the founder of Canary. And Uncaged was kind of an idea, really, where we were trying to say to executives that had worked with us, individuals out in the marketplace, give them an opportunity to kind of build on that bird analogy of canary and unleash them or uncage them in a way, right? Uncage their ideas and uncage their thinking. And so that is where the uncage started. And we did a conference right before the pandemic of 2019 and really kind of shifted the platform over into what it is now, and we've built from there. So welcome to Uncaged 2.0 with Dave Rosner. And we're back. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, I'd love to tell you where I'm coming from and where I was coming from and where I am now. Um, I'll go through it. I don't know if we covered this last time, so I'll just go through it because um, that was the very beginning of Uncaged. So as a marketer, I've always loved diving headfirst into very different aspects and what I found is it's a lot of learning curve, but it just provides such a good reservoir of diverse experience to pull ideas forward from. So the ideas that I got from working with TikTok creators and on YouTube and doing uh, gaming and mobile at the agency, all of those things help bring a different point of view. And I can steal ideas that work in other industries and pull them into industries like where I am now in ad tech to... Um, to bring some innovation just by bringing in different ideas from across the industry. Um, generally speaking, I started out my career as a bass player. Uh, I was in a six person band called Mercy Me. One of the guys in that band ended up being uh, quite a impressive, successful musician. He was in Sugarland, he was in Train briefly. Um, best learning from that was there's no, there's no more of a team environment than a six person band because yeah. You do what you do, and if you drop it, even though it has nothing to do with the person next to you, it just doesn't work. So Unless you're the tambourine player. Nobody cares about the tambourine player. Tambourine player, player <laughs> messes up. Tambourine player messes up. The triangle player messes up. It can throw off the whole band. 
So yeah, uh, true, true, true. It, so that was my real first experience with understanding the importance of teams. I have a whole thing on bass playing and marketing, but we'll we'll save that. So um, from there, I'm uh, from New York, came back to New York, got into the creative side of advertising, just put my head down and work, work, work for years. Got from the first agency to a better agency where I started working with world-class brands like Kellogg and Smirnoff. So I was one day I was on shoots with kids hugging cereal boxes. And the next day I was vodka tasting somewhere in a basement in one of six places in America and then around the world. So love that. Um, and then started and then wanted to scratch an entrepreneurial itch. Did that for about a year and a half, launched a nonprofit arts organization and gallery. Um, and all through a lot of these experiences in advertising and in building new companies, um, people were looking to me to like run the business. And I found that I knew some of it. I thought I knew a lot of it from being on the account side of advertising, but I didn't know all of it. So I took a step back, got my uh, MBA here in New York at Columbia, which was an amazing experience and really focused on filling in some of those gaps um, that I had, that I had just never been able to learn on the job. And that's, the, uh, the things that you don't really talk about day to day mm -hmm. when you're in marketing, which is finance and accounting. Look, you and I, Dave, worked together at Initiative, and I'm sure you're going to get to that in a second, a little bit sure. about what you built at Initiative. But I do remember how refreshing it was to collaborate with you because you actually understood businesses. You didn't actually look at the situation and just say, oh, well, this is uh, an advertising or creative problem, but you actually could do the right and left brain stuff, which was very refreshing because as we both know, a lot of times the marketing solutions don't really have a connection with what's actually happening in a business. And that is absolutely critical to building a marketing solution that works. Well, I think the best example of you and I uh, teaming up for that <clears throat> was when we built one of the first social media practices at any agency. And yeah. we were talking, we were getting ready uh, for a meeting with the CMO of the Home Depot at the time. And he's like, this is the beginning of social media. Yeah, we have a Facebook page and we're on Twitter. Now what? Like, what is this actually supposed to do? And yeah. so... We got and it. Break it down for me and give me the attribution modeling for it and make the business case. Right. I think right. that's a big that's one of the things when I've spoken to you and I'm excited to get into it and you're bringing it really to the chief marketing officer role now, which is that idea of combining the creative, the innovation with this idea of, OK, well, how do we make that work for the business needs really kind of get into it much more directly? Yeah, you know, uh after I got out of Columbia, I took a horrible job in LA that didn't work out. So I just want to be, for any marketers who listen to uh, the podcast, um, I've heard so many marketers talk about smooth careers. Um, maybe they've had really smooth careers. I've definitely had some major ups and some major downs. And I think that's part of marketing. You are going to be really important, but not every single year at every single company. So mm -hmm. came out to LA, was really happy, got a terrible job, was unhappy. And then uh, was about to take what I thought was the coolest job, um, building independent businesses using Sony IP. And I met um, someone who became a mentor of mine, Alan Cohn, who was hiring for the first outside uh, person in a new group called Innovations over at IPG at Initiative. And um, I love the whole process. I, I love talking about what's new. So I found out years later that 
he thought I was interviewing his people because I kept asking him questions because I finally had people to talk to about like what's happening <laughs> with advanced TV and what's happening here and what's happening with one-to-one -one video, all these things that were on the cutting edge at the time. And um, so we started building there. And, and the way we set that up that started small and then got really big was, um, you know, we had a client in Lionsgate, um, Erica Shimmick and Danielle De Palma. And one day I was going through, I was helping them with innovations and I was going through what was next. And they're like, well, why don't we just do that? Like, we like knowing about it, but what would happen if we started doing it and figuring out how to create a competitive advantage? And that was the light bulb, which I stole from them, but used it. That was, we should make this uh, not a thought leadership group. We should make this an activation center and that became the start of building businesses. So we built yeah. this, we built the, we built the uh, social media practice with you and me. We built the mobile practice, spun it off. We, we built the uh, creator practice. Like we built the uh, content marketing practice. All of these things that we saw as innovations in media. And rather than just grabbing the headline, and we grabbed lots of headlines, which was a lot of fun. But we also thought about how could that create a competitive advantage for the agency and for our clients. And that became a repositioning for all of initiative. Um, they saw what was going on in this team and we, they really got behind it and brought that forward. I mean, what a fun job that was, Dave. I remember your team. I mean, what cool work that you guys were doing for everything from Carl's Jr., to all the Lionsgate Saw franchise, to you know the printing of that Mad Men paper, to the relaunch of AOL, essentially. It was a very creative, out-of-the-box approach to marketing that had gotten very cookie-cutter. Yeah, we, we figured out the way to take a pretty conservative group, which is the media business, which had been built to get scale, and it was really good media agencies at driving scale. So the idea of something new coming into media was against what the original DNA of what a media agency was. And so it was just ripe for some, when digital started to come along and we started to see changes, it was just ripe for some people who were like, let's try some new things and see where it goes. Um, you know, I didn't know that you met Alan Cohen in Los Angeles. And yeah. Anybody who's ever worked with Alan Cohen can see how he would support and drive and help a group like this. I don't think I've ever had a meal with Alan Cohen where he hasn't come to me with like 40 amazing ideas of like, you know, you know, forks, forks, everyone uses forks. We should be printing on forks like the Iron Chef show. Or, you know, it's always like some idea that he has. Yeah, his influence in the industry, I mean, from... <laughs> I only, it's interesting of the, all the years I was at innovations and, and leading that practice, he was only there for like the first year and a half, I want to say. Incredible. And then, yeah. um, then I ended up running it for about five years, but it, the number of people who came through that process and have gone on to really have an impact in the industry, the That's founders amazing. of Giant Spoon, we worked together, um, folks like Mark Simon um, and Jonathan Haber, like, we all, we all sort of were in that zone. Um, and it just, you know, I think that network and the influence he's had in the industry is just still very, very present. Um, well, I mean, I can kind of see as your career has developed, you've gone into other innovation, innovative areas. Certainly you worked heavily in kind of the, I would say the emergence of video media and yeah. companies like Zephyr, I'd say Collab as well can kind of fall in that bucket. 
Absolutely. with all the efforts that they were doing and incredible to see how that market with the companies that you were part of Colab and Zephyr really being excellent examples of that. It matured, it shaped, it became part of kind of our marketing and media landscape. But let's get into Audigent because Audigent in many respects is a part of a wave of companies mm -hmm. that is really kind of taking that programmatic space mm -hmm. that started, let's say, 10 years ago now, believe it or not, it's about a decade old, maybe a little bit more, and taking it to the next level. So tell me more about your experience at Audigent. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important to understand what's happened in the last 10 years of programmatic. I mean, I myself am attracted to these step change moments in the industry. So when we saw YouTube first launching, and then how could we mature how that's viable for advertisers and marketers? And then the same thing with Collab, which has the number one uh, network across TikTok and is doing amazing work there. Um, you get back to programmatic. I had been a part of the original piping for programmatic, which is just the automatic delivery of ads. Um, when I was at IPG, where I was an advisor at the beginning of Cadreon. And the promise is all of this inventory is going to be able to just get placed everything outside of what requires like creative discussion. So all of that just general avid inventory should just be flowing and the computers are optimizing the rates backwards and forwards. And what's ended up happening is a lot of some very significant fiefdoms, the wall gardens, and then a lot of small ones have come up. And so a lot of people have owned little pieces of that automation. And so it's almost like we're in an industry where the information is really hard to pass through. So you, you have computers in the mix, but it's like you just bought a new cell phone and none of your old chargers work. And that <laughs> is the moment, that's the moment where I think Autogen enters um, stage left. So Autogen started out as a DMP. So that's a data management platform. You know, we're helping make sense of what data, uh, we're actually helping create the first party data for publishers. And we could talk about that later, but you know, you'll know some of the brands, it's Condé Nast and Penske and, and um, Fandom. So we're the code on page, helping them make sense and then monetize their first party data. And the reason why that's critical is if you're any of those companies, you're selling against Google and Facebook and YouTube, and those are pure tech companies and they've set the bar for what advertisers expect. So if you're a content company or a publisher, you need somebody, you need an external tech company to get you on that level playing field. So that's our source of first party data. The second thing we did was we got really frustrated though, because we saw, ah, we have this incredible segment. Let's say we're going for um, affluent homeowners, right? We have this incredible data segment. And when you put that into programmatic and you ship it into a DSP segment, you didn't find out if that particular insight and that group was performing for 30 to 45 days after. So here we are in like the most automated real-time speed of light. Things are going through the internet set. And then we'd be like shipping off this incredible data and then waiting and then waiting. And then, and then we'd find out, oh, it wasn't working. So they turned it off. All right. I guess you know, I, I, I love now. it, Dave, when we say we were waiting 35, 40 days. We were waiting. <laughs> You know, it's so funny because I think back on the early days of programmatic and, uh -huh. you know, programmatic kind of made the same pitch, but on a longer time frame, we're like, you know, normally you have to have an annual cycle to make a <laughs> selection and we can do it 
in like a quarter or like a, or six months. And that's amazing. And it is so funny that obviously as this technology has gotten more complex, more data sources are available coming together in an intelligent way. I know that you guys are heavily using machine learning yeah. to make that possible. Tell me a little bit more about how that's working. Yeah, so this is what we saw. We saw that there was this big holdup. And we also knew that on the supply side, so that's on the demand side, on the supply side, that you were actually, if you're a publisher, if you're an SSP, you're seeing what's happening as it's happening, right? You're logging in, you know exactly what's going on. So we thought to rewire how it could all work to actually reframe how the information is getting shared. So we're connected on the supply side. So, you know, we're now plugged into, and this is, this is where having a couple of, having a great idea and then having time to make, really make it work and get the, really get the circuitry working um, to steal a, a, a term from uh, Rachel Mervis over at Kimberly Clark. Mm -hmm. um, to get that circuitry working so we could say, okay, now we can combine data and inventory and then we can activate it on the supply side. So now you've got these, what we're calling PMPs, but it's a little bit broader than the traditional definition. Hundreds of sources of inventory, all of these incredible data segments. And then you're activating it on the supply side, which means we can see what's happening. And then the, the most important part of this, that's just the pipe. That's mm -hmm. just, we have, water going into Las Vegas, but we haven't built the city. What builds the city is the algorithms and the AI and the ML to take advantage of that scale of data and find those right combinations and be able to optimize in real time. Yeah. So, you know, just the supply side trading, really important, great um, light bulb moment, but just that's just getting the electricity into the city. It's not building the city. And that's really where we've been for the past two years. And you know, what we've seen, which has been incredibly gratifying, is the kinds of partners who have kicked the tires at Autogen and said, you know, for a number of reasons, and we might talk about the cookie-ocalypse, cookie-ocalypse later, <laughs> uh, or maybe we'll avoid that word altogether. But for a number of reasons, they're saying, you know, this way of activating data is really interesting. So we're seeing companies like a ComScore or a TransUnion or an Epsilon saying, we like this idea of curating data and inventory together. And so those are now partners where we have their data segments and we're seeing incredible, incredible well, I mean, outputs. I can see one of the big appeals to what you guys are doing being the simplicity of it in the way that as programmatic developed, there were more and more niche companies that developed maybe focusing on specific media channels and whether it be everything from display advertising all the way through to podcasts, as well as companies that would deal with different data sets. And, you know, the thing at some point company clients would always ask is, I can't meet with another tiny startup that does you know, this one specific thing. And I really can kind of see how you guys come in and play almost like a networking role. You know... It doesn't matter how good your idea is in this space, yeah. unless it scales, you know, and I think that goes right back to what we talked about in the beginning. It's a really good idea. Um, it was a really good idea to be one of the first people when I was at Initiative for our team to reach out to people that are now called creators, but the original popular accounts on YouTube and say, hey, would you ever work with a brand? Like, would you take money? And they're like, you got to call my uncle. He handles all my business. That was a 
that was actually an experience that um, John Haber and I had back at Initiative, where we were one of the first to reach out en masse to uh, YouTube creators and see if they'd work with brands. So it's, but to Tim Spengler's credit, getting that idea done and having it be so successful that it crashed YouTube, um, which I can't, I think they actually admitted at some point, um, <laughs> and that was for Carl's Jr. Um, getting that done the first time is nice. Building an industry out of that and understanding where that goes is critical. And that's the same thing for programmatic. If it doesn't scale, if we can't deliver this better way of doing it that pulls money out of the waste that's happened in programmatic, which it does, right? Then all of a sudden you're like, well, this is really good, but I, I can't take it too seriously. And that's where working with these giant data platforms and working with all these DSPs and SSPs allows us to get to all of the scale. And that's, that's kind of the change moment that it doesn't have to be like the cool next thing and then I hope I can incubate it for scale. We're doing about yeah. 100,000 campaigns a month right wow. now. Um, across That's incredible. And I know that there's some big plans for the company in the very near future at some events coming up. I'm hoping we can go through that a little bit. Sure. Tell me a little bit more what's on the horizon for Autogen. Well, the thing that I've been the most excited about well, there's two things I'm excited about. Number one is what we talked about, right? It's the same thing that I've been lucky enough as a marketer to have the job to figure out almost everywhere I've gone. There's something amazing at this company, um, at Autogen. How do we let people know what it is, right? So, you know, that that's the, that's the first thing. And then where do we tell it? Uh, so what makes me really excited is the, the companies that we're partnering with that have really believed in our technology and seen the, uh, the impact that we're talking to the industry with them to talk about their data being available. So, you know, I mentioned TransUnion and Comscore and Epsilon. We have just as many incredible data partners that we're announcing in the second half of the year or the last quarter of the year now. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, so that's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great for the brands and agencies we work with. And it'll also just push a lot of the, um, a lot of the best data into a new way to activate it. Um, that's number one. The other thing I'm really excited about is, you know, we do a lot of work I talked about on the pub side to help them beef up their technology. And one of the, um, one of the clients we work very closely with to build a SaaS solution with is WMX. So that is the artist division of Warner Music. And we've worked with them to build their platform for their Salesforce, making sense of the billions of pieces of data they have around all of their artists. Um, and that's called WMX Connect. And now that's up for awards. Um, and so we're very excited that there is a more progressive way to think about how data and information can be used to really replan and throw away the old way of media planning if you want to and do it in a much more progressive way. You don't need to start with the demo, which is a very old way of planning media. You don't need to start there. You could start there with an affinity. I care a lot more if, you're, if you care about surfing, if I'm selling you surfboards, than I care what your age and, if you, uh, and, and your gender. Dave, we've been talking a lot about everything with Autogent. If someone wanted to learn more about Autogent, connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Well, the easiest thing to do is just drop me a line at dave.rosner at autogent.com. Um, we had talked a little bit about events. Um, we are very active in events. We are going to be, uh, we are a sponsor of Advertising Week 
uh, New York this year. It is always, always, always a pleasure to work with the team at Stillwell at Matt Schechner and you know all these people, but they just lean in and are all ears for companies that really want to invest in the community. And they learn right there with me, like how we might make it work. So we'll be on um, our, our founder, Drew Stein, who is uh, the driving force behind all of this change. He'll be on the main stage, the Great Mind stage on Monday at 12.50 p.m. We'll be right after actually a session from Deepak Chopra. So we're very excited about that. And we'll be there with um, some of the most senior thought leaders that we work with. Um, we'll also be on stages um, on the data and decision stage on the Tuesday, on the female quotient stage with our own uh, CRO, Gina Cavallo, um, on the female quotient stage on the Tuesday as well. So we'll be all over that. So you can drop me a line or find me in person. Um, I'm always happy to talk about these things. And I'm always looking for people who are just as excited to push the industry forward. Excellent. Well, Dave, it's been amazing to talk with you. I think probably the other question is, when are we going to hear the next six-piece band that you're part of? <laughs> well, I have a, you know, COVID took away a lot of the music scene in New York. And that really bummed me out. I have friends from a lot of different areas. Um, my musician friends were um, hotel concierges. And the hotel business took a serious hit. So they had to move in a lot of cases. But the Hotel Concierge Society does an annual concert where the concierges get to perform and that band is getting back together. So there's a private gig coming up in December. Oh, I want an invite. That will be our start. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking to get the band back together. So I if they're it. great musicians, uh, if there's a keyboard player out there, a rhythm guitar player who's in the industry, um, yeah, same email. Hey, you know, tambourine, I'm ready for you anytime, Dave. Listen, Man, if you didn't start the interview by saying that the tambourine player doesn't matter, I think we'd continue that conversation. Did, did that, yeah, did that lower the, the sense of importance of the tambourine? Oh, man. Uh, maybe maybe, uh, maybe the assistant roadie is more of a rhythmic, rhythmic match. That's probably better. That's probably better for me. Well, listen, we've been talking with Dave Rosner. He is the chief marketing officer of Audigent. Audigent is driving scale change in the programmatic ad industry, unlocking the promise and value of first-party data for publishers, and delivering a new approach that delivers better results for advertisers. We've been talking about how the programmatic industry, as it's grown in complexity, is now utilizing things like machine learning to actually get more focus, better results, and Audigent is really leading the way in that. Dave, it's been amazing to talk to you. And we look forward to having you back for your third appearance on Uncaged. I am so grateful to be your first, second guest, Bant. Congratulations on the podcast. And Cheers. I am always ready to jump back on. Excellent. Talk soon. Bye-bye.